Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. My name is Mark Striegel, the host and producer of this show since 2005. I'm so glad you could join me. Um, What we do is another show, kind of on the side. I call it my side project here. It's uh, called Metal Raps, and I do that with Mitch Joel, who is a brilliant marketer and internet guy he advises to google he does the ted talks uh seminars he and he is one of the guys who helped set up bravewords.com back in the days and he also has a base podcast called uh, no groove or no treble uh base podcast which is great he has another podcast where he uh, talks about more um you know entrepreneurship and and internet type stuff um so check him out just search mitch joel on in itunes you'll get all his podcasts and then of course the other guy who hosts the show is mitch mitch lafon uh who you guys all know so so basically mitch mitch and me mark we do a podcast called metal raps and what i do is i put metal raps out on its own rss feed you can subscribe to it on our itunes or listen to it on spreaker but I also usually repackage it here, not always, but usually on Talking Metal. So that's what we're doing here today, listening to the brand new issue of Metal Raps, issue, episode, I mean, of Metal Raps. This was recorded Saturday night at about 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, August 13th, Saturday night. There you go. Here it is, Mitch, Mitch, and Mark, Metal Raps, episode 32. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode number 32 of Metal Raps. We are back. My name is Mitch Joel, and as always, I am joined by Talking Metal's Mark Striegel. Mark, how are you doing? Good, Mitch. Great. And, of course, we are also with one-on-one with Mitch LaFons. Mitch LaFon. Mitch. Hey, hey. hey, hey. Yeah, uh, always good, by the way. Uh, missed you at Heavy Montreal, sir. Sir, well, I, I miss both of you, actually. So, this, yeah, the, we're, we should start with Heavy Montreal, which just took pi- – just took place mark striegel you did not join i yeah. went on i think i filled like the block mitch lafon that you weren't there for i got in i think i was there late saturday afternoon to see uh, everything to saturday evening and uh, you were you were mia at that point <laughs> you what, 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 I, I missed that what was that <laughs> Well, were you there on Saturday evening or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there both days. Sorry, I, I thought you were talking to Mark for a second. Oh, um, no, yeah, you. no. I was absolutely <laughs> no, I wasn't there, there at both. all. So. No, I know. <laughs> uh, I was there both days. I had um, I, I was doing interviews. I ended up doing eleven or twelve interviews, 
And that took a lot out of the schedule in terms of getting to areas because every interview, for some reason, had to be done in a different area. So some were done in artist world, some were done by a pond, some were done by ducks, some were done, you know, it was all over the place. So there was a lot of running around and um, uh, I had access to artist world. So um, there was a lot of schmoozing going on over there, a lot of deal making, a lot of, hey, hey, we should do a show, we should do an interview, we should do a this and a that. So no, I was there, but... Uh, not in, if you want, the common area. Yeah, so you had no no reason to hang with us common folk and just be out on the on the on the on the field rocking out. New venue, a smaller venue. What are your right. thoughts on the venue, Mitch? I I you know I gotta say I absolutely loved it for for many reasons. First of all, uh, there was grass, there was shade. Uh, you know, the other heavy Montreal was on, you know, uh, beaten down rock and you're baking in the sun all day. There's just no way to escape the sun. This had some shade so fans could get out of it. And I like the fact that the two stages are in opposite uh, parts of this field so that you don't have the same 50 people that monopolize front row basically the entire day. You can, as soon as another band starts, you know, the back of the crowd becomes the front of the crowd and vice versa. And I, and I like the fact that it switched up the crowds and it made things um, just a lot smoother. You know, no, I, I really liked it. I thought it was really, really well done. It was picturesque. It was beautiful, especially when the night, the you know, the sun went down at night. The Mont- Montreal skyline lit up, and it was just, it was absolutely gorgeous. A lot of bugs in that area. There's a lot of a lot of bugs attacking. The other thing we should talk about it wasn't just two stages. There was the third stage, which was formerly the tree stage. This year was proudly the blabbermouth stage. Had some fun hanging out actually with Borovoy and getting to to talk to him and hang out with him and Rob Cotter from Blistering as well. Uh, that was a really great stage. I don't know. Did you make up your way up to the blab- blabbermouth stage at all or no? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I caught a little bit of candle mass and I caught a little bit of um, escape the fate. Mm. And uh, who's the other one? Oh, a skeleton, which I believe I saw there too. Yeah, no, that was a great little stage. It, you know, I, I, I have no complaints about Heavy Montreal this year. I got to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that they have um, more people show. It seemed like it was definitely downscaled from last year. There's no doubt about it. Um, highlights for me, I, I just came in at the tail end of Sebastian Bach, which is always fun to hear him killing, uh, doing some Skid Row tunes. It was a lot of fun. Um, my highlights for sure were Black Label Society. I thought um, Zach Wilde and his team on that stage was just crushing it his guitar sound is just so ferocious and signature and crazy in a day when you hear a lot of chugging and metal uh there's just something so unique about the way zach just you know he's he's so into his thing uh and you could tell but for me the major standout uh, was mastodon i thought mastodon was just they just crushed the stage they just crushed the event i, I was blown away by them and they had canceled last year because that was a band i was looking for yeah yeah, yeah that's and, right I yeah they're always so good. i've seen them numerous times live they're just so good so good it was just crying you know it's funny when you get a band at that level playing in that energy and just stuff is clicking you, it, it's almost like a race you know we're in a, we're in olympic season now so you know when just someone sort of takes off and the rest of the pack is there to me that was mastodon and that having montreal was amazing what, what were the highlights for you mitch well, you know, honestly, for, for me, because I, I didn't really see a lot of sets. I only saw Sebastian Bach in full, and then everybody else, I sort of saw one song, two songs, because I was doing these interviews. So uh, Sebastian Bach was absolutely uh, the highlight in terms of performances. And for me, though, it was the interviews. Uh, interviewing Miles Kennedy of Alter Bridge was absolutely 
um, a great highlight. He was so, so very nice and so very uh, forthcoming. And uh, Jason Hook, a five-finger death punch, was another uh, great interview. And in fact, uh, the guys from Sabaton were, were also very nice. So, so the interviews that I did stood out in terms of you know, people that are willing to take the time to, take, to answer questions, to, to tell good, good stories. Um, that was the fun part for me. Show-wise, yeah, yeah. I only saw Sebastian. There's it also like there was a lot of like real heavy heavy bands there this year, yeah. uh, which there always is. But it almost felt like the, the scale was tilted more in, you know, going towards the the super extreme stuff uh, than it was the other stuff. So how did the crowd react to bands that weren't like an extreme metal, uh, like Sebastian Bach or or Altered Bridge for that matter? I think Sebastian Alterbridge, uh, from what I saw, and uh, Zach, the acoustic show, from what I saw, got the best responses, if you ask me. Well, well. Uh, yeah, I think that they were also, you sort of need a break in between the unrelentingness of, of an, uh, the unapologetic direction that they took of being so heavy this year. So I think that it, Mitch is right, that it actually really complemented it. it just, like, I was really surprised at how, I mean, I know Nightwitch has such an amazing following. I also know, I think this was one of the only dates that they were doing their full European production as well um, here in North America in Montreal. And yeah, this is a band that I've seen. I think they're great. They're obviously fantastic. But people were you know, again, I think really appreciative and, and over into it in, in a world where there was a, I think a, an overweight towards the heavier bands for sure, no doubt. Cool. I think I, I think it needs to be recalibrated next year. You know, with the Oceaga Festival that they do the week before, they have a great formula where they have sort of anybody come in, whether it's Radiohead. Or, um, you know, some of the other bands, uh, the, the Lana Del Rey and stuff like that. It sort of mixes it all up. But for Heavy Montreal, they seem to be stuck in, it's got to be extreme black metal. And it's like, no, it doesn't. There, there, there's room for Sebastian Bach and Scorpions and Metallica and, you know, Triptychon. There's room for everybody. I don't know why they, they insist on being so singular in the musical genre that they try to get. But, you know, mm. that's... that's yeah, and again, the, and the third, the third stage actually really complimented that. It was a heavy stage, and it's suffocation on that stage. It was, it was really, really intense. It was great, great event. Also, you know, Mitch, you mentioned your Alter Bridge interview with Miles Kennedy. I saw the clip. It's a great YouTube clip. So just go out and check it out. Um, it's there. You can see Mitch chatting it up backstage at Heavy Montreal. Uh, while we're on the subject of festivals, Vakin Open Air had something overly unique which i actually didn't even know was coming and i guess maybe that's just a, a more of a testament to where my headspace has been at in terms of work and things like that but there you was mean act- foreigner? exactly yeah they had foreigner there <laughs> yeah. uh shocking i thought it was pretty shocking and it was pretty amazing when i finally got a chance to to, to catch some of the actual clips there hasn't been that many but they did a ronnie james dio hologram for Vakin open air so dio disciples was playing which features members of dio's band um and actually they they last performed with ronnie in 2008 before he passed away so two years later here these guys are back and um Ronnie James Dio live by a hologram uh, doing a performance of We Rock. I watched some of the sort of bootleggy stuff, and I know recently Blabbermouth launched some official sort of high-quality video of it. Did you guys have a chance to check it out? What did you think, Mark? Yeah, I I thought it was cool. I I really dug it. What I saw was uh, them doing We Rock, and I, I imagine that it was even more powerful in person 
because you know the holograms when you are looking at the full stage the the it almost appears that the the guy is is there you know the ghost of of Ronnie James Dio or you know we've seen Tupac we've seen we've seen other other holograms appear on stage it almost appears that they're right there you know performing for you and uh i think it's a great idea you know a number of years back they did this thing where Elvis um, yeah. sang along with his actual band, and they had the isolated vocal tracks from a concert. And on screens, Elvis would sing, and his band, now much many years older, would, would play along with him. And, and I, I never saw it, but I knew some people that went to see it and just said it was absolutely stunning and incredible. And I'd love to see Dio Disciples tour with with the hologram. I mean, I think that would be... It's weird and different and and awesome and special you know I, I, and and i think it would be a great tribute obviously they're they're going to have to play to a click track and and you know really work work things out musically i'd imagine that's not all that easy um but uh yeah i, I think it's a great idea i i say bring the hologram on tour you know, maybe it's only for a few songs. Maybe it's for a full set. I don't. I don't know. Um, I do think that hologram performance at at Vaken was an uh, earlier performance from from Vaken. So, I, from what I understand, I might be wrong on that, but um, that's that's what I I think that was pulled from. So, yeah, I think it would be great. I mean, there's so much great footage of of Dio. Let's let's do a, a hologram, a Ronnie James Dio hologram tour i think it would be outstanding well that's what wendy dio you know, his manager and obviously his, his wife uh, she's definitely talking about that I'll, I'll give my thoughts but mitch why don't you go first did you check it out i i did and it's cool and creepy all at the same time it, huh, boy i i think that would be a nice show to go to in vegas you, you go see you know the, the ghost of Elvis and the ghost of Ronnie James Dio and the ghost of Tupac and, you know, you have some dancing girls and it's a beautiful Vegas show. At Vacan, eh, you know, my question But it was is, one song, right? He, I, he just I, I did know. We rocked. Dio's Disciples was doing their full set. It was just a sort of like little piece of eye candy, right? No, no, I saw it, but it, 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 it is kind of creepy because for me, live performance is all about live performance. I don't like when Britney Spears... Uh, you know, lip syncs. I don't like. I like live to be down and dirty, warts and all. And so when I see a sort of fake singer, it. Eh, eh, I'm not. No. No. <laughs> no. So look, there's also the technology thing, which is the reason they did one song is it's still expensive to do this to sort of create that avatar and to make it work with all the technology. Not even in talking about the sort of syncing of, of the singer with the band, Mark, which I think is also challenging of itself self for sure. The other thing is it's hard to watch on video. What people don't get is it's like watching, you know, you can't really watch a, it's like watching a 3D movie clip on YouTube, right? Like you can't yeah. really get the feel of the experience when you're there. And a lot of the feedback that I was reading online was really sort of similar to that where people were basically saying it was it was an extremely realistic appearance and people were really blown away by it and so again I would say those two, those those YouTube clips don't do justice but we we're, we're going to need a lot more computational power and technology to make this be a full-fledged thing but Mitch I think it's actually a really good idea to sort of do a back from the dead tour where you just sort of have all these holograms you know coming out and doing a bunch of different stuff it could be pretty fun 
Yeah, uh, yeah but, there's, but there's it's, a but creepy. But it's element creepy. To, yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree, but I, I I dig it. I like it. I mean, what what's next? Like Dio and John Lennon doing a du a, a duet? It's like, oh no, no, it's it's weird. And while they're not dead, uh, or 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 back from being dead, there's been talks about Rat coming back. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, so. I'm going to throw this to Mitch. Mitch, why don't you tell what what is what brings us up to this moment in 2016 where they're not together, they are together. I, I always felt that for the past little while, I mean, Rat's basically been a flying band, a couple gigs on the weekend, and that's basically it. But Bobby Blotzer has taken possession of the name. He's doing Bobby Blotzer with Rat. Stephen Piercy's off on his own. What's what's going on there? Well, you know, listen, it, it appears as though um, the surviving members Juan, Warren and Steven have gotten together and I believe that once they figure out this lawsuit that they will probably try to reclaim the name and record as Rat minus Bobby and currently Bobby's band has lost two members from what I understand they're going to be losing a couple more and so he'll he's going to be left high and dry very soon and I think we'll see Stephen Wan and Warren ride into the sunset as the Rat Band. I mean, why why can't they also? just get a good lawyer and, and straighten that out? <laughs> I mean, I would think they have the ball in their court. I mean, legally, that they're more Rat than he is. I'm, uh, you know, Michael Sweet said something in some interview, which got a blabbermouth headline. Maybe it was on his Facebook page that you know he remembers playing gigs with Rat. As you know, Striper and Rat playing gigs together around LA, and it was it was uh, you know a different drummer. It was Bobby Blotzer wasn't even in the gig when when Rat was doing club shows around LA, at least not initially. So it's it's interesting that he's now the guy out there with with the name legally. Well, he he took possession of the legal name, and I think the IP and and that is if that is legally his, it's legally his. What what really sparked this though is that lawn friend from Rip Magazine was having a 60th party in Tarzana, California. Uh, those members of Rat that you spoke about were present and taking pictures. What made I think the sparks fly further is in the fact that Greg D'Angelo, formerly of I guess White Line, and I know he's been in other bands as well, was also in those photos. And I think that that sort of sparked it on one side. And then even more recently, like as of, I think even like today-ish, I was seeing on um, Blabbermouth that Todd Kearns from uh, from Slash is actually playing bass in Bobby Blotzer's Rat, along yeah, with ex-LA Guns guitarist Stacy Blades. So they're replacing them with people's names that we know, like, and appreciate. So it's interesting to see Bobby Blotzer actually pulling it together with with other players that we know. Because you'd think for sure that it would be one of those scenarios where um, it would be a lot of people we don't know. And right. yet, well, here, we, here we know them at least kind of. Uh, I know them, but it's it's like the, the mainstream, you know, public does has no clue. I don't think those. those I don't know if they're are. one of those shows either, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because. All this was going down when I was out in uh, Indiana on, on vacation, and my sister-in-law, uh, uh, who's grew up on on all this stuff, and and still, you know, she she went to see Kiss last night in in Fort Wayne. She still is a fan, and she went to see Guns N' Roses when they played in Cincinnati. So she's she's still out there, kind of going to shows, but she's not. Uh, she doesn't probably even know what Blabbermouth is, and she's you know. 
a fan who likes to go and relive the shows, the, the, the groups that she used to love when she was growing up. And, and it's a, a nostalgic thing for her. But anyways, she, she was like, Oh, you know, rats playing and some was playing somewhere in the area when I was out there. And I was like, I was like, well, well really? And of course it was Bobby Blotz, Blotzer's rat. And she had no idea. She was like, Oh, I just thought it was, you know, all the original guys from the eighties. Like she had no idea. And she even said her some of her girlfriends were going to the show, and they probably had no idea either. So, it's uh, it's it's you know it just shows you how important the name is. Yeah, well, yeah. The, listen, the, uh, they, go ahead, Mitch. Well, I was going to say, Autograph is playing uh, at the Brass Monkey in Ottawa, and I, I'm going to go see them. And I've not followed their career, so I couldn't tell you if it's the original or not. But they're probably going to play, uh, turn up the radio, and I'll be happy. And yeah. I, I won't know the better. I mean. Unless you follow, you know, when we say H. Fraley and Peter Chris, and we follow those bands, but for bands we don't follow, like Autograph, in in my case, I don't know if it's not the originals. How do, right. you know, brand, man, brand is it's all about the brand. Yeah, I wonder even like if you asked your sister or friends after, so how was the singer? They'd be like, oh, he looked young, and right. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they'd yeah. even realize it wasn't Stephen Pierce. No offense to Stephen, has got a very unique voice, but you know, they're doing a fairly good replica of it. And so, well, look, regardless, you know, who wouldn't love to see those guys figure it out and be able to play gigs, yeah, you know, no, check it, other bands like Warren Do and whoever else. It's yeah, great. I would love to see at least Stephen and, and Warren, uh, and Juan possibly back on stage. I mean, I thought that record they did with Carlos was was great. So and Carlos is great too. I was going to say Carlos Cavazzo is awesome, also. Yeah. Yes, and he was in that picture, which is why I yeah. think that it was even more sparked. And the fact that Greg, uh, now you call him something else, I call him D'Angelo. But yeah, I, mean, I could. You could be right. I'm probably wrong. He, he's uh, he's playing with uh, Stephen as his drummer now, so it, it's almost as though you've got a full lineup ready to go and um i'm telling you by by christmas i'm pretty sure we'll we'll have a real rat or a second rat so it's coming Hmm. i think it's coming that's just what the world needs more rats um (laughs) before we take off and or talk about the albums that we've been listening to lately i wanted to mention at least and talk a little bit about a seminal album that's basically celebrated its 25th anniversary interesting to to follow things like rip magazine if their facebook page um and, and others on facebook where you're sort of seeing like the year is really weighing on 30th anniversary of this album 20th anniversary of that 25 years metallica's infamous self-titled slash black album amazing to, for me to think that that's been 25 years ago it was that i mean it was for me definitely a a seminal album I was a huge fan of the band from basically day one and i feel like the black album was not only the album that broke them commercially but i also really think it was an album that for fans like myself who are early thrash fans it was like which side are you going to go on are you okay with them going commercial or are you going to be like everything before black was great and everything after was too commercial i actually am totally in the camp of love the band love almost everything that they've ever done can't get enough when they're playing live i never tire on that band uh super excited to hear about 25 years mark what are your thoughts yeah you know when that record came out um I had heard they were going to be working with Bob Rock and everyone was like saying, Oh, they're selling out. This is going to suck. They're going to go the Bon Jovi route. And I, I think that it was extremely more commercial and mainstream than anything they had done previously. 
However, the songs were just so good and so catchy and that for me, you just couldn't deny it. And, uh, you know, they, they, they went a different place musically and they succeeded and it's one of the biggest selling albums of all time and you have to remember that there were some thrashy numbers on there i mean through the never Mm -hmm. i mean there there were some songs that were holier than thou that were really very hard and 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 heavy so um it you know wasn't just about the unforgiven and enter sandman you know but you know and even the unforgiven you have to remember that that the unforgiven yeah it was it was ballady almost i guess but it still had a dark side and it was almost like you know the beginning of fade to black and enter sandman like they just kind of made a whole song kind of based on that type of sound but um i I thought it was a great record and in a lot of ways got me excited about metallica again because I, i i had been such a fan of the first three records and you know injustice for all i thought was 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 really good um but I, I uh, definitely, there was a lot of new sounds coming out at that time. You know, I was heavily into the flannel grunge stuff coming out of uh, Seattle at that time. I had been getting into f- funkier stuff like Fishbone and stuff like that. So I, I thought it was, it was, it was great. And it, they needed to make a change at that point. Um, they needed to do something different artistically and they succeeded greatly and, and it's you know it's one of the the great rock records ever you know ever made really I love it. Yeah, Mitch. Well, it changed everything for me for Metallica. I had been a, a very very casual fan of Metallica at that point. I had spent my eighties with Poison and Bon Jovi and all those bands, and, and Metallica was just a little too heavy for me at that time. Would love the love them when they were. Uh, played either on a radio station or, or, you know, one was being played on Much Music, or I'd see them live. I saw them a couple of times, but I just wasn't a fan fan. And by 91, I was sort of burnt out. You know, we, we had gotten into Tora Tora and, and the Sleaze Bees and, and Tough, and I was like, okay, well, that, that scene's sort of dying, and I needed a shot of something. And, and Metallica was that something, and, and the 90s became my Metallica years because of the black album it was sort of uh, i don't want to say poppy but it was it was sort of melodic rock enough for me to go oh okay it's a little heavier than bon jovi i'm in but it wasn't uh, bon jovi which was also what i was sort of looking for at that time and you know if it wasn't for the black album i might not be a metallica fan today and that's mm-hmm. you know the honest to god truth it really changed everything it was it was slick enough and heavy enough to not be hair metal but it was slick enough and heavy enough to not be this horrible thrash nonsense with growler vocals that I can't stand that it sucked me in. And the 90s became Metallica time for me. You can really look at the playlist of that album. And it's just sort of you know sad but true, holier than now. You mentioned that one, Mark. Uh, you know, wherever I may roam, uh, unbelievable song of Wolf and Man, God that failed. I mean, so many songs that weren't the sort of mainstream enter Sandman, uh, the Unforgiven, the sort of songs that nothing else matters that people know. But this is just twelve pounding songs of, of amazingness. I actually think that that's the album that, for me at least, secured them as the Led Zeppelin of my generation. Right. Oh, uh, absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, without without a doubt. Um, they never really got. I mean, to me, yeah, like they never really 
I know where you're going. Delivered yeah. another record uh, of that power. I mean, you know, well, load Death Magnetic and, was good. Yeah, it, it was, was good. I mean, novel. I mean, load novel. and reload get a lot of you know shit from people, but th- those I are like those, those are good. Yeah, they're good yeah. records, but they're not they're not the amazing record that the Black and, Album was or Master of Puppets was, in my opinion. You know, I, I gotta say, I had bought it at a store in Montreal called Rock on Stock, which sure. dealt with imports all the time. And it had a bonus track on the one that I got. It was a 13th bonus. It was a Japanese. It had So What, which, you know, it's so fucking mm. what, blah, blah, blah. And at that time in 1991 with the PMRC and all those, you know, PMRC was still going on, even though it was from 85. There was all this. To have somebody say So Fucking What, that was so rebellious and so out there for that time. I mean, now nobody gives a, a you know, anything. Um, that, uh, that I also was sort of, I don't want to say titillated, but... I was titillated. It was like, oh, look at that. They're, they're, they're badasses, you know, says the whatever 17-year-old at the time. Um, so, so that also was like, oh, man, it's, it's heavy and it's, 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 you know, melodic enough for me. And, and look, it's dirty, too. You know, so, yeah, that, that was the, my experience with the Black Album. I know a lot of people are going to hear me usher, usher these words and probably go, no, but I really like St. Anger too. But I think what you're saying, Mark, is really spot on. Because if you also look at this, there was a trajectory. So you think about like Kill em All into Ride the Lightning, into Master of Puppets, into And Justice for All, into that album. And it's like, where else could you go? Yeah. It wasn't just the Metallica Black album in 1991. You're talking about going all the way back to almost 82-ish, 83 with Kill 'Em All, and this trajectory ascent of a career that culminated in that album. And I, I, I'm almost able to forgive that, that. That how could anybody do that sort of one after another album, and then have an album like the Black album just go so catastrophic, so yeah. so uh, catastrophic. I mean. It's just huge, like they're just global like that. I just don't know how you could keep going. Like, where does that momentum come from, even? So, yeah. And, and I mean, I will say this about Metallica that one thing, unlike a band like ACDC, who just, you know, continues to put out the same sounding record over and over and over again, there's, and they do it well and better than anybody else. Uh, so I have no problem with that. And I love ACDC, but they did try to go different places musically. Kill 'em all had one sound, you know, to me, master of puppets uh, or ride the lightning and master of puppets kind of had another mm-hmm. sound in a lot of ways. Ride the lightning is the album for me that really invented thrash. We have a lot of mm-hmm. other bands like Slayer and, and Testament and all these other bands, Exodus, saying, oh, we were doing thrash at the same time Metallica was. Well, guess what? Fight Fire with Fire on Ride the Lightning was, was to me, the what really, truly defined thrash as thrash, and everybody got in line uh, after that. And then, you know, uh, they put out Injustice for All, which definitely was a slightly different step musically. And then we had, of course, the Black Album, which was a very, again, different place musically load and reload again they went somewhere different and even with saint anger like like you said um i really respect what they did with that because they were continuing to try new things musically and grow musically there was a dvd that was released with saint anger where robert actually played bass with them and i thought that was just awesome it really gave life to the dvd the dvd is 
if if you could take Amazing. that tape and put it yeah. out on on CD, yeah. it wins because they also corrected the horrible snare drum on the DVD. It sounds right. like <laughs> the real snare. So Saint Anger is not bad sonic. I mean, sound the songs are okay. It was the the delivery of the songs that failed on that because when they play them live, frantic live, in, you know, and 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 Saint Anger live, they sound fine to me. They you know Amazing. they really do, yeah, and. There was yeah. also an EP, and I'm looking on Spotify, and it's not there. I have the physical CD where they went back, and it was for that movie. What was the movie where they sat down? Some kind of monster. There yeah, was a Some kind right. of monster EP, which doesn't look like it's available on Spotify or iTunes. Right, I have where, it. It's like eight songs or something. Yeah, and they yeah, remixed yeah. A, a couple of the songs from Saint Anger, and on that too, they did change the snare drum sound. If if I remember correctly, I might don't quote me, but. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Ah, oh, just such so, so so great to catch up. So l- l- before we take off, I'd love to know what you guys have been listening to lately. I will start with you, Mitch Lafon. Well, you know, listen, I have been stuck on a playlist that that I made myself. I, I saw Guns and Roses in July in Toronto. It is by far the best show on the road this summer and uh, i made a 40 song playlist included chinese democracy songs in there included even tijuana jail by gilby clark and i've just been walking the dog to that for well since july 17th basically (laughs) being a fanboy that's great yeah absolutely mark you know, I, I just saw Glenn Hughes in concert in New York, and it was just a just such a great show. Um, got a chance to meet him after the the show, and just such a oh, awesome guy. Seemed to even know who I was, which I'm maybe the publicist briefed him before I came back, but I was very impressed that he he seemed to like say remember the interview that I did with him, which was which wow. was great. Uh, and you know, I've been revisiting a lot of his stuff. Uh, you know, we all know his stuff with Deep Purple, but the the soul mover record that came out in 2005 one of his solo yeah. records is an excellent overlooked gem if you i i i missed it back in 2005 and uh he does a number of songs uh off of it on this recent tour that he's doing and it's a great record and i i've been just really going deep into that record a heavy rock and record by glenn Hughes that came out uh, you know over 10 years ago back in 2005 it's called soul mover um, also been revisiting a lot of Enough's Enough lately since my, my oh, recent cool. chat with uh, Chips Enough. They've so many great albums in their catalog. That's funny you mentioned that. He, I actually, he actually texted me yesterday. Uh, they're coming to play in Ottawa in, I think it's October, and oh, cool. uh, he texted me and said, "Hey, uh, are we going to see you there?" So, um, yes, yes, you are, uh, Chip and uh, Mitch. If please join me for that. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll do that. It's I LA Enough and Chips Enough, or Enough. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. I'll mention one more one, yeah, which on. is a band I used to love as a kid, Metal Church. I really lost – they've been continuing to put out records. I really lost track of them through the years. But this new record, I actually went and bought the CD, which I don't do too uh, too much anymore, um, Metal Church 11. And is it's just a great onslaught of, of pure heavy metal in your face done the right way uh excellent record they're going out on tour with megadeth uh soon i can't wait to see them um and the lineup is you know changed numerous times through the years uh, ronnie monroe was in for a while he's he's not there anymore but they have i forget the singer's name mike who makes something he was part of some of those early records 
uh, not the first couple, but he, he you know, he was, he, he's definitely a member of the Metal Church uh, family, and he's back. And this new record is excellent, uh, Metal Church 11. I'm going to check it out. I didn't know it was around. Uh, I've got three. One is, and, and Mitch LaFon, you'll tell me if this is a new release or not, The Dead Daisies, Make Some Noise. Is that new? Yes, August uh, 6th of this year, so as fresh as fresh can be, actually. Yeah, it popped up on my playlist, and I threw it in and just love it. I mean, I know some of the guys in the band, obviously, and just great rock and roll. I thought it was really fun, just a fun listen. You know, just due to heavy Montreal, I had to definitely go back and crank and re-crank and keep cranking Mastodon. Uh, Leviathan is the one for me that just I, I just keep going back to, and... I don't know what happened, but because of Heavy Montreal and because of Mastodon, I, I don't know how I made the Kitty Corner connection, but Mashuga and uh, just been cranking nothing. I don't know if you guys are, have, have gone yeah. back to listen to that album and just, I don't know, the, I, Dead, the Dead Daisies definitely don't fit with the Mastodon Mashuga, but but wow, I've, it's been um, fun fun drives to work lately with Mastodon Mashuga for me. Well, Mitch, you know, <laughs> if, you're, if you're on a Mastodon kick, I don't know if you've heard Gone is Gone, but it's true yeah, from... Sure. from Mastodon and and Troy from Queens of the Stone Age to Troy's uh, and there's it's not a, a perfect record but there's like three songs on the record which are just out of this world I mean they're so so good uh, definitely worth giving it a listen gone is gone at times almost has a Mastodon sound about it um, rich rich production and uh, landscape style guitars uh, very very fun listen gone is gone yeah, I just love it. And, you know, th- thank God for having Montreal. It always is that sort of kick in the butt where it's just this intensity of of seeing bands and hanging out with people and even just catching people walk by in a t-shirt. You're like, oh, I got to check that band out. I haven't heard of them in a while. I never heard of that band. I wonder who they are. So it was a, it was great, 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 and great. Well, great catching up with Can we mention one more thing? Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, Ozzy and Jack Osborne's World Detour on History Channel. If you haven't seen that TV show, it is absolutely... Uh, compelling. They, they run around going to historical sites like the Alamo and uh, Mount Rushmore. And st- if you haven't seen it, find it because it, it, it's great. And I think, um, Mark, you, you either you work, work on it. it? Yeah, you just yeah, my, one of my super close friends is one of the producers on it. And a little it's a great tease. Show. Yeah, it's a great show. Uh, Matt Ginsburg, his name is uh, a, a super tease, which Matt told me I should tell people about. Uh, on the episode that airs, um, on August 21st, uh, 10, 10 p.m., uh, Sunday, August 21st, on the History Channel, it um, they go and they go to this place called Iron Mountain and they pull out the master tapes of uh, Blizzard of Oz. And I probably can't say anything more than that, but if you are a fan of that record, if you're a fan of Ozzy, you have to see this episode, uh, August twenty first on. No, you got to see Channel. all the episodes. Yeah, Watch but, uh, them all. Yeah, I, I, yeah, they're all they're all great. Yeah. Uh, so, and what, what's the actual name? It's Ozzy and Jazz World, World Detour, Detour yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, Mitch, have all you right. seen that? No, I'm going to dive in. I, 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 so I, I yes, yeah, do it. I'm going to dive in. Okay. Based on that recommendation, I will. Well, as always, it was great catching up. This has been Metal Raps number 32. You can always catch me at, at Mitch Joel on Twitter or check out my other podcast where I interview bassists. I'm trying to build the largest oral history of electric bass players in the world over at notreble.com forward slash podcast. It's called Groove. Uh, where can we find you, Mitch LaFon? 
One-on-one Mitch LaFon is the show uh, available on Spreaker, iTunes, iHeart, and all that wonderful stuff. Twitter, at Mitch LaFon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N, and Facebook, one-on-one Mitch LaFon. I didn't have room for the with on Facebook, so it's just Mitch LaFon. Nice. <laughs> Mark? Yeah, all the all the regular places, the Facebook, the the Twitter, and I did just open uh, rather recently an Instagram Talking Metal Instagram account, and oh, cool. we have very few followers, so <laughs> we'd we'd love to have you join us on uh, Instagram where I post pictures that uh, I take at at the at the concerts and just stuff that relates to recent episodes of Talking Metal. So yeah, find Talking Metal on Instagram. And before we take off, what's coming up on your show, Mitch? Boy, uh, a lot of uh, wonderful stuff. A lot of uh, heavy Montreal interviews. There's Cataclysm, Skeleton Witch, uh, Disturbed, Sabaton, and more. Uh, I sat in on a virtual press conference with Cindy Lauper, and I got to ask her a question, so I'm going to uh, <laughs> cut that up into an episode. And I've got the Billy Talent and... Uh, Jeff Tate is coming up. Bobby Blotzer is supposed to call in as well. So we'll, that should be interesting if he does. Just interviews. A lot of interviews coming up. Mark, what's coming up for you? Yeah, I'm always hesitant to mention the the people that we are hopefully going to be talking to before I've actually recorded the interviews. But but yeah, hopefully Jack Osborne. It seems like it's going to happen. Wow. uh, I'm I'm hopeful he's going to come on and talk about World Detour and... If he doesn't come on this next week, then he's not coming on at all. But it does it does look good, and fingers crossed for that. So, um, love well, if you'll tease, that. if you'll tease, I'll tease. Coming up yeah. in one of the next few months for Groove No Trouble, I spent an hour with Rudy Sarzo talking oh, about sweet. bass, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. You think about this guy and his career and all the bands he's played, and fantastic. All right, guys. Well, we'll be back real soon with episode number thirty-three of Metal Raps. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you soon.